Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows and take a look at them through the modern eye. I'm Robert Larone, the uh, the Devastator. With me, as always, is Blaine, the Underwhelming. What? You said it, not us. <laughs> and and uh, I'm J M McNabb. I don't have a. a thing. <laughs> You're trying to take my name, aren't you, J M? That's good. All right. <laughs> we have an epic podcast for you, full of adventure and swords and sorcery. But before we get into any of that, I should first of all mention that we are on the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Go check out some of their other podcasts if you like us. Also, we'd like to thank our Patreons. Those are the people who support us by giving us a little bit of money each month, one, three, five dollars And in return, you get the podcast early and ad-free, as well as bonus content. So if you want to become a Patreon, go to patreon.com slash rewatchability. And I should also mention, you know, because there's been like a, one recent change to the Patreon before... You used to have to get your Patreon episodes on the Patreon page, and you have to like click on it and listen to it, I think, in your web browser. But now, we finally made it like a real podcast, and you can just listen to it on the same podcast app that you listen to all your other podcasts that you don't pay for. So finally, for our Patreons, you're listening to a podcast again. You're you're not paying right. for something worse. <laughs> that's what you're saying. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so become a Patreon. Get the podcast early and ad free directly to your podcatcher. Is that what they're called? It doesn't seem right. And uh, I think I, that is what people say, but uh, it just reminds me of like the child catchers <laughs> and uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I don't I don't like that term. No, no. Let's find a find a different word. But wherever you listen to your podcast, you can listen to it there. So today, we have an epic movie to talk about, an epic movie to talk about. It is Conan the Barbarian, the 1982 film by John Milius starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And this was really like the, the movie that sort of uh, blew him up. I mean, it made him a huge star. It, obviously, he was already like the Mr. Universe and was very big in the bodybuilding world. But this made him like... The biggest thing in the world. It was crazy. And, of course, the reason that we're talking about this, I mean, maybe not of course, maybe you missed it, but there was a video that Arnold Schwarzenegger posted a while ago, a couple of weeks ago, to set up the uh, context. There was that 
terrible, crazy, fucked up thing that happened at the uh, at the Capitol where the traitors, insurgents, I don't know what the uh, correct word is. <laughs> snake cult. Yeah, the snake cult, you know, invaded the Capitol building to try to stop the democratic process from occurring. And thankfully it was stopped. I mean, there were lives lost, but um, ultimately things kept going. But Arnold Schwarzenegger, he posted a video and I watched it. And I had some mixed feelings about it because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch it. Sorry, I'm just laughing because I haven't <laughs> I seen find it. that. Yeah, yeah. What, what did he? What did he say? Well, Rob? I mean, to put in context, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was the Republican governor of California for I don't know four years or something like that. He has recently, in the Trump era, sort of been sparring with Trump and sort of been talking from a more moderate Republican standpoint. And so he made this video essentially saying, "Hey, Republicans." Stop this baloney about pretending that the election, which was fair and real, was rigged because it wasn't, and support the president. And by the sword of Codan, we will make democracy strong again. <laughs> America will come back from these dark days and shine our lights once again. Now, you see this sword? This is the Conan sword. Now, here's the thing about swords. The more you temper a sword, the stronger it becomes. The more you pound it with a hammer and then heat it in the fire and then thrust it into the cold water and then pound it again and plunge it into the fire and into the water, the more often you do that, the stronger it becomes. I'm not telling you all this because I wanted to become an expert sword maker, but our democracy is like the steel of this sword. The more it is tempered, the stronger it becomes. I mean, to be fair, Conan was all about democracy, right? In this movie, as we'll see, very an elected leader. Yeah, that's like who, they keep uh, saying that process. he becomes king by his own hand. Yeah, they say that like eighteen times in this movie. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that made me think. I mean, there were other things in the video that were a little bit weird too, but uh, I, that made me think, like. What what is Conan? What does Conan represent? Is the Conan sword a good symbol of democracy? I mean, where is Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> coming from? What can this mean in today's world? And thankfully, we have a podcast for that. So here we are. <laughs> I was just reading. I, I know that we are. You know, we've been we've been uh, not attacked online, but like uh, sworn at online for for not liking Trump so much. But I, I am comfortable with that position on our podcast. Blaine uh, taking the really hard line <laughs> fascism. <laughs> I know. But I was reading some of the, like, he had done some some very few good things, and people were, were saying them. And one was making, like, animal cruelty a federal crime. So just, like, upping that, which would make Conan have to answer to federal crimes in this movie <laughs> several times over. You mean when he punches <laughs> the camel? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about snake not charming. Um, but that would also assume it. that the statute of limitations was more than 10,000 years. Yeah, does it stretch to the Hyperion age and, or the Hyperborean age? Hi, Hyperion? Hyperborean? Hi, How do you it's say it? Word. I don't know either. <laughs> so, Rob, you chose this one um because of all that but had you seen it before is this one that you yeah i saw it i mean it was one of those movies that i saw back in when i was a kid 
when I was really into Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I've said it on another podcast, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, when I was growing up, he was just like this ideal. Like he was the strongest man that you could ever see on TV. He was the good guy in everything except Terminator 1, but that somehow made him more mysterious. <laughs> and he, I don't know, he was just amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So I was such a big fan until I was like, Twelve, and then and then started to like actually you know take a look at the world and uh, figure a few things out. But I did see Conan, and I saw it again a few years ago, at least the last part of it. And I I remember it being pretty pretty hokey. I didn't I didn't really think that it had much for me as somebody who is like a serious student of film. Even though I appreciate Arnold's oeuvre, and of course John Milius has done some interesting things aside from this. But it wasn't a favorite movie of mine at all. Like I like the Arnold Schwarzenegger in the modern era with like two guns, one on each in each gun, you know. And uh, <laughs> that's my Arnie, you know. But I thought this would be a great opportunity to revisit this, and I, I think that there's a lot that we can say on how it sort of is uh, analogous to today's world. What about you, Blaine? When did you first see this movie? If you did, I first saw it today. I first saw wow. this movie today. I, now, I is mean, that a I, lie? Like, we found out last week? <laughs> maybe. You never know. Maybe that makes me more mysterious. Or maybe it's just Enough bullshit. of your sorcery. <laughs> I, I had never seen this movie. I'd, like, heard about it. But I watched it today. And to get into the full feel of it, I watched it in my garage. <laughs> you wore a loincloth? <laughs> in my garage. With, like, my half-fixed-up Trans Am pumping iron like this feels like just like a, a total like you know turn of the a meathead movie movie for a himbo movie yes for dudes with long blonde hair that did karate <laughs> and like hung out at the mall and liked girls with their names ending in i and it was just like i just felt like i i just i really felt it and I kind of got into it. Like, I kind of got into this movie watching it now. I mean, there's some ridiculous things, and we'll talk about them. I can't wait to. But it is kind of this, you know, transportive fantasy that you get kind of get to live through this dude with rippling muscles and <laughs> who was talked about like an animal for like half of it, which isn't, yeah. the, which isn't the best. But you, you kind of get to have this high adventure, and nothing makes sense and doesn't have to because... You're like smoking marijuana for the first time, and it's Wait, I don't know. Like I, <laughs> you smoked marijuana for no, the first no, time. Like, that also sounds what, like I, a lie. No, it's definitely a lie. But like, no, it kind of feels like that type of movie, right? Like, right. Um, you're watching it when you're 15 with your headband, trying to get ripped, you know. And like, I just, I don't know. It just kind of transported me back to the 80s in a big way, even though it was <laughs> set in the I don't know minus eight. 80,000s or whatever this was. Minus, like. yeah, 9,000. It came out before you were born, I assume. When was this? This, this 1982? Yeah, so a year before I was born. So, yeah, I, uh, but yeah, anyway, it, it, I, I kind of got into it, but I'd never kind of seen it. I knew it mainly from UHF, the Weird Al, <laughs> uh, Conan the Librarian sketch, and, and that's it. And then Conan O'Brien referring to Conan every once in a while. <laughs> I don't think he was named after the Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you, J.M.? I think I watched the wrong movie. I watched the uh, acclaimed Denny Arcand <laughs> movie, The Barbarian Invasions. Mm. And uh, 
Good one. I'm really embarrassed. No, I, you know, it's funny you say that. I, I too, I feel like the first exposure I had to Conan was Conan the Librarian in UHF. Like, I don't think I knew what it was until I saw that. And then, yeah, I've always been a fan of this movie. I, yeah, like I, the movie I, or the movies of Arnold's that I rewatch are typically, like you said, like the contemporary ones, like, you know, your Terminators, your Commandos. But this is a movie I've always liked. I think I saw it when I was a kid on TV and it was like on like TBS or something. So it was all chopped up and edited and, you know, they took all the sort of nudity and graphic violence out. So because of there's no movie left yeah hardly well because of that and because of the sequel is a straight up pg movie and also this would have been around the time or a little bit after the cartoon was out mm-hmm. conan uh, the adventure i think so yeah. like i just thought it was like a family movie <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until years and years later, I think I was in high school or university, when I saw it again on TV, but on like a movie channel or something where it was not edited for families. And yeah, man, I was that kind of like blew my mind a little <laughs> because it's a, it's a very uh, graphic movie in, in some ways. I got to get this on VHS. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I I. It is a movie, I don't like watch it constantly, but I've returned to it kind of again and again. It always like, just it just has like a real like sense of like time and place and feels very lived Mm -hmm. in, in a way. Like I I do Mm -hmm. kind of what you were describing, Blaine, like I feel transported watching it. And it's also, it just kind of uh, casts a spell over you. Like I was even forgetting when I rewatched it yesterday, I was considering not rewatching it because I did watch it a few years ago. I, I bought the Blu-ray and then, and I was like, no, no, it's, it's been long enough that I should rewatch it just for the podcast. And then I was watching it again. I was like, oh yeah, I watched it like a year ago. <laughs> like it hasn't been that long <laughs> since I last saw it. But yeah, so I, I've always been a fan. I mean, I think they're... I was. It's also not a movie I've really like thought about, kind of like what you were describing. So, yeah, I was kind of like you know watching it now just for the podcast. I was kind of gearing up to be like, okay, there's there's probably some stuff in here that wouldn't fly today. And it was also written by uh, and directed by John Milius, who's uh, you know an interesting character, and and uh, I'm sure we'll talk a lot yes. about him. But you know, I, I I'm sure he has. Certainly his politics and mine don't exactly align, even though, you know, I, I love a lot of his work and I think he's kind of a genius. But uh, yeah, so I, I was interested to actually watch Conan from a critical perspective and talk about it with you guys, because it, it, it is, has been a movie for me that I've always just kind of succumbed to and, and enjoyed on its own level. But nice. let's uh, get into it. Rob, do you want to do the rundown? Yeah. Well, it starts with the forging of the sword. Iron heated in fire and pulled out and put in cool water, and it makes it stronger, like democracy. <laughs> <laughs> and we see the young Conan watching all this, and it's, 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 it's boring, but it's also kind of fascinating. You know, it's like, it's very long. This is a slow movie. Like, it's very slow and contemplative, and everything just takes time, but you do get sort of, like, caught up in it, and it's pretty wonderful. But... Conan, he he and his family are living in their village way in Europe somewhere, and they're just doing their thing. It's modern-day Europe. 
That's just what it looks like. <laughs> it's France. <laughs> and uh, they're attacked by some some guys on horses. I mean, first, they're, they, he sees this, like, dude with, like, this wicked chest piece and, like, these back tats, which is fucking awesome. That dude is, like, that dude's amazing. I wish he was in the, more of the movie. Where, where does he go? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What did he become governor of? <laughs> <laughs> But his family, his dad gets killed uh, by these guys, and then they're about to kill his mom, and he's sort of standing beside her, and she has the sword ready to defend herself, and this guy sort of gets off the horse and takes off his helmet, and it's James Earl Jones. In the best haircut I've ever seen. He is so pretty. (laughs) First of all, amazing hair. He looks like His that, fucking eyes. He looks like that cat wearing the watermelon. You know, that, that <laughs> he does kind of look like the cat wearing the watermelon. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing uh, bangs cut. Like you just know that he uh, went through a bad breakup before this scene <laughs> because of the haircut. Yeah. Because of the haircut. Yeah, he's amazing in this movie. This is like. I was blown away by his performance. I just loved it so much. He's so good. I mean, first of all, he like. He looks like he's about to, like, maybe spare the mother, like, you know, give mercy. He's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'm not going to kill a kid's mom. And then he's like, he just gives, like, this shade, you know, like this total shade and then whack decapitation. It's it's a brilliant performance. And it's also that, you know, it's that classic shot where it's it's the kid, young Conan, holding his mom's hand and it stays on that shot. And you just see, like, the head topple. Through the frame. Yeah. Uh, so sad. Yeah, Ebert compared it to Bambi's mom dying. I, I Which, don't, think, I don't yeah. think she was decapitated. <laughs> no, it was, it was a sick fucking hunter. But imagine Bambi went on a goddamn rampage and murdered a whole bunch of hunters. Much better well, movie. Much better movie. Bambi 2, <laughs> <Yeah>. hunting season. <laughs> but... This sort of starts the bad period for Conan because they they don't kill him, but they do make him a slave. And he has to go push this giant wheel for fucking years. And at first there's like 30 people pushing this wheel. But then (laughs) as time goes by and as he grows up, I guess he ate them all. (laughs) I don't know, because he is like built by the end of this. And he's just like pushing this wheel in the same direction for presumably like 20 years. It was just budget cuts. They had to cut back (laughs) on some of the wheel guys. (laughs) It'd be great if like at the end of those 30 years, he was just like built on one side of his body from pushing the wheel (laughs) one direction. (laughs) Well, where does he get the protein for building muscle anyway? Is he like, are they giving him like whey powder between uh, rotations or something like that? He gets his GHBs in there too. Come on. But anyway, he becomes... He becomes this perfectly well-rounded, athletic sort of warrior dude, and we're like, Conan's totally going to kill his fucking captors and run for freedom. Nope. He's, a, he's, a, he's like a gladiator. Yeah, he's a yeah, gladiator. Yeah, that's right. They make him into a gladiator, and he becomes like, you know, the biggest gladiator <laughs> what? that ever gladiated, except maybe Russell Crowe. <laughs> what I love is that they're like, let's take our fighting machine and teach him to read. That'll be a good use of our time. <laughs> like, it was just like a weird thing. You have this guy that's like, oh, you only want him to fight. And you're like, but let's learn him a bit, you know? Well, let's, it was uh, like they really kind of had a bond, it. right? Or something? Yes, yeah. But then they also... Yeah, I mean, maybe. In the script, they also use the word breed. Uh, they do that with him, too, um, at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was like the, yeah, the 
I guess the most disturbing moment in the film where they like, <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, yeah, it was not great. That woman looked scared the entire time, and Conan looked hungry. It was, it was well, kind it's such of a, a weird, weird scene, scene too because they like bring this woman to Conan's cage, and I mean Conan, we know that he's the good guy, right? So we expect right? him to be the good guy. And he has this fur that he, like, wraps the woman with initially. He's like, oh, yeah, she's cold being naked, right? And so, uh, like, maybe he'll just, maybe like, get to know her for a bit. Yeah, you, you nope. think for a minute that this is not going to be an assault. <laughs> and then, yeah. No. It's it's yeah, an like, upsetting scene, for sure. It's a bad scene, yeah. Especially because everyone's watching, too. It, uh, it kind of really forefronts that you're watching as well. And yeah. It's, right. uh, it's not nice. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's not some nice. Michael Haneke shit. Yeah, It's sure. hard to watch, especially like, yeah, because it's the hero. And I I don't remember if the score comes in there, but it like it definitely like the, the tone is not, you know, somber. It's like da na 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 or something. Like, yeah, yeah it, 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 it's not a, a scene they would put in today. I didn't see the new Conan they made a few years ago, but I doubt <laughs> that they had that in there. Well, they had a Frank talk about consent first. <laughs> But they ship him off to Mongolia to learn to be a warrior. How, Dajin? We won again. This is good. But what is best in life? The open step. Three tours. Falcons at your wrist. The wind in your hair. Wrong! Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you. To hear a lamentation of the women. That is good. That is good. Then, after he's just hanging out with, you know, the Mongolians for a while, eventually they just sort of let him go. They do the Harry and the Hendersons thing. They're like, you know, go on! We don't want you anymore! And he's like, And he runs off and he finds this sword in a pit and he sort of starts his adventures. This movie is sort of like since it's sort of based off the Conan stories loosely and the comic books, there's sort of like a bunch of different sort of tales sewn together. Like, yeah, we see Conan wandering on his own. We see Conan, he meets his friend Subutai, and he becomes sort of companions with them. They do a bunch of Black Lotus and get a tie in the city and punch a camel. <laughs> We've all been there. That's, that's a weird one. And before that, too, like, he, he gets into like a hut. And this woman's like very seductive to the oh yeah in in like Lauren Cloth herself uh, yeah it's all just like this kind of like teen fantasy of what maledom should be. Well, they're having sex and she's delivering the exposition. Yeah. Go to Zamora. <laughs> ah ah. But then yeah, she like, turns what? into like a ghost demon thing and flies away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without leaving a number. Awkward, <laughs> rude, it's just awkward. Don't ghost. But I, I like that scene. I like all that. That's the kind of stuff that like feels very like you know pulp story adventure story. Like that's the kind of thing you know that would be cut mm-hmm. out of a, a adventure movie. Typically, this right. just kind yeah. of like yeah, this little these little episodes. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he and Subutai go and uh, they are going to go rob this. This snake temple. Oh, we didn't. We also and... didn't talk about that scene before they uh, punch the horse and stuff. I think it's there. That did you guys notice in the background? There's like a guy having sex with a llama. Oh yes, I did yeah. notice that. I, th- I thankfully that's... did not. Okay, I want you to stop recording. <laughs> go, go to the TV. 
Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a interesting choice, John. <laughs> but they go, uh, yeah, they go to rob the snake place, and there they meet this thief woman, Valeria, who basically seems like the most competent person there. Like, it's sort of interesting, like... Arnold Schwarzenegger's the star of this movie, but so often his co-stars have to sort of carry the narrative weight, either because they didn't give Arnold lines because they didn't think that he would be able to deliver them right, or maybe they just think that Conan's better as somebody who doesn't say much. She's awesome. I mean, I had sort of forgotten about her, and I was like just like so impressed by how kick-ass her character is. Like, she prized that in 1982 that... She wasn't like a damsel in distress, I guess. That's what I was... Uh... Well, Alien had already been made. I don't know. Like, there's, That's there, true. There's some, there's some precedent for it, but... But the, she's like proto-Xena. She is you know? proto-Xena. <laughs> she's pretty cool. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, I could definitely, like... <laughs> I don't know. I was picturing, like, 80s things for everyone. Like, I was like, in her downtime, she's, like, in those long knit like leggings yeah. doing uh, like aerobics <laughs> yeah exactly like that's what yeah. i pictured she's also uh the actress is really great and i think i was watching the uh the making of documentary from the dvd and they were john millius was saying he just saw her in uh all that jazz oh, and just right, cast yeah. her based on that yeah that's so cool she looks like a fossey girl yeah because she her movement is so precise and and pretty fluid throughout this whole thing, like she, yeah, like anytime she was sneaking around, she would be snuck around. Whereas like <laughs> Arnold was just like, I cannot hide. I uh, <laughs> I don't know why he's French, <laughs> but he has one of the most recognizable accents in the world, and I chose French for him. Yeah, yeah. He, she's she's really good. Yeah, and eventually Max von Sydow sort of well, you skipped over them. the sca- snake temple. They're... Well, I mean they they're at the snake temple. They steal the jewels from the snake temple. They kill the snake. Okay, go on. And uh, <laughs> and then and then Arnie and Valeria are sort of like you know having uh, having like a flirty sort of uh, romance. It's sort of nice. He gives her like the the eye of the snake or whatever. And then Max Van Sydow's guys sort of kidnap them and bring them to the thing. And he has a mission for them, which is to save his daughter from this snake cult. Yeah. As it is, well, it's also, you know, you know, it's the snake cult that Conan's looking for because he knows the like right. insignia or the like the emblem of the cult that killed his family and ransacked. Yeah, his that's village. right. He, he he has been sort of following these clues, like that weird witchy woman said something about it, and yeah, he sees it other places. So yeah, it, it is him sort of going towards his destiny, but. Valeria, she doesn't want to go through with the mission. She wants to take all the rubies and everything that Max Van Sydow gave them and just live a good life. She wants to, like, settle down, have a few little Conans, you know? (laughs) (laughs) One of them could be a talk show host one day. (laughs) (laughs) Many times I face my death with no one to know. Look into the huts and the tents of others in the coldest dark, and I would see figures holding each other in the night. But I always pass by. You and I, we have warmth. That's so hard to find in this world. 
Yeah, uh, I, I, all of that felt surprisingly like real. Like their relationship was really good, and even like the conversation they have, where she's like, "Why would we go do this?" When she she says something like, "I have more in my life now than I've ever had," and yeah. uh, and then she says, "And you know, like James Earl Jones, like his power is." he has people who all they want to do is die for him. Like, why would you want to go fight these guys? I don't know. Like, I, I, I love the way they build it up and it, it feels very real. Their whole relationship, especially for a movie. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Conan the barbarian. I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. It was, Absolutely. It was also the montage they had, like the, they're kind of like getting to know you love making montage. I thought it was just all going to be sex, but then there was like, it just continued after that to like, them talking and her telling him like this really heartfelt story and him telling her something and they're like faces you didn't hear it but you you know you knew that they were connecting and yeah. so even in the montage it like really forwarded their relationship it lot, was which... weird that it was set to someone tells me i'm into something good by herman's hermits that was something <laughs> tells me i'm into something something tells me i'm into something good that's a bad joke cut that out that's <laughs> no that's dang no, it god damn it <laughs> Yeah. So he goes off and he's going to go do the thing, but he eventually sort of gets up to the temple. But James Earl Jones, his guys catch him and they beat the shit out of him. And then there he finally confronts Tulsa Doom, the person who killed his parents. And um, they talk about the riddle of the steel, which is like all through the movie, Conan's been talking about like his religion and how his religion, you know, believes in like the riddle of the steel. And if he doesn't know the answer, then he won't be able to get into Valhalla. And James Earl Jones says that he used to look for riddle of the steel, too. But now he's all about the riddle of the flesh, you know, Mm -hmm. because like you can do you can make people do anything. Yeah. It was like some midsummer vibes when he was just like. Oh yeah, got that girl to jump off the building for him. Yeah, jump off the yeah. For him. Or rather, Midsummer had Conan vibes. Oh, uh, yeah, true, 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 true. Yeah, they also might have gotten that giant hammer they used to kill the woman with from Conan too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that scene's great. That uh, yeah, where he just gets that woman to jump off the the yeah, roof and, for no reason other than to prove that that. Uh, the control he has over the people he's he's so great in this movie yeah i love james Earl jones especially in that scene too where like conan was like you killed my parents he was like oh yeah yeah i was that was a different part of my life yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He totally, yeah it's amazing you it's i love great. that yeah that was so again like those these scenes that are crazy and should be ridiculous like are so grounded and like yeah he doesn't be like yes they deserve to die or like i was coming he's like yeah i was going through a weird time back then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like it was, doing a lot of edibles it, and uh, man i'm sorry <laughs> it kind of felt like that end game moment where he's like i don't think about you at all like that's kind of like it was just kind of you know uh, wait wasn't that like, mad men mad men yeah that was mad men yeah wait what did you I say end game i said end game for some reason what's that Adventures? Oh, okay. I think, that, I think there's a line like it. I thought you were talking about the Samuel Beckett play. <laughs> Wait, Don Draper was in the Avengers? Yeah, he he played the ad exec. No, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> right. I, but that that line that line reminds me of of that because it's just Conan's mm-hmm. been searching all his life for this guy, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah." That's but it's all it's so much like more. 
it's just more believable and kind of more devastating than if he just didn't remember yeah. it. It was just like, yeah, exactly. oh yeah, that was that was a weird phase. <laughs> <laughs> but then he uh, crucifies Conan. You know, mm. crucifixion. That's uh, man, we've seen that before. That's it's gotta hurt. <laughs> And the uh, vultures are like starting to like pick at him, you know, because he's dying. And he, at one point, he like bites the vulture's neck and like just like sucks out the blood. I don't blood. know. He kills Which was it. A, yeah, it was a real dead vulture, apparently. Was it? No, 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 no. I read it was animatronic. No, no. There were real vultures, but for, there. But that for one, one was of the shots where he bit it, Arnold said that it was a real vulture because he said it was like dead. But it was and stuffed. But he said between takes, the crew was coming over and like getting him to gargle mouthwash because they were afraid he'd get like germs from it or something. Oh my god, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, it's pretty cool that he like you know bites into this vulture to survive on the rock that's... a little bit more, like to use the blood. I mean, that's 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 clever. Yeah, but not cool to do it like in real life. <laughs> yeah, leave that to like Ozzy Osbourne or something. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> The other thing is, uh, in that making of, I was watching as John Milius was talking about that scene and, you know, obviously talking about it in comparison to, like, the New Testament and the, the you know, Christ on the cross and, and was saying, like, it's kind of like the reverse of it a little bit because he said, you know, in in the Bible, like, the Romans come up and, like, stab Jesus as he's on the cross and basically say, like, where's your God now? And he still has faith. But in, in Conan, like the world like the natural world starts turning on conan like the vulture starts attacking him and and it's 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 as if god himself or or his god uh crom right has mm-hmm. has like turned on him and he has nothing left and all he has left is himself and his teeth and that's what he uses to survive and it's it's kind of like a a weirdly like humanist story mm. Oh, Even yeah. though there's like resurrection demons and stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Eventually, he's saved. His friends come along, but it seems to be too late, and he does seem like he's going to die. So they do have to um, cast a spell on him. His friend, the wizard, does that, and there is some animation that holds up real well. <laughs> and also. <laughs> Also, Valeria like stabs the ghosts, <laughs> but they're like they're like pencil crayon drawings. You're like, that's not gonna work, honey. It was like the take on me video. <laughs> Little yeah. demon guys. But Conan is saved, and he lives to fight another day. And he, you know, does that sword thing at the beach, which is very iconic. And his arms are crazy, man. They're just like those muscles shouldn't be on arms. Those are for legs. <laughs> But eventually yeah, your they go on to... backwards. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's you know that's another thing that I said in the making of. Sorry, not to jump ahead too much to the behind the scenes stuff, but one line I love that I don't want to forget is John Milius said when he was arguing with Dino De Laurentiis about casting Schwarzenegger because he was so hard to understand with his accent. Milius said, "Look, if we don't cast Arnold, we're going to have to build him." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Or just That's get, good. D- get Dolph Lundgren, who spoke three languages. And- That's true. It could have been, and he could have done some math problems if they had exactly. Any, if they had to calculate the tip on a check while they're out. He could have invented math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they 
eventually go and they try they go to the snake temple and they sort of fight their way through but to get the girl and they do get her but first of all she's a woman she's a she's well, an adult woman <laughs> okay okay but they re- they get her rescue her whatever it is and they're about to escape but Tulsa Doom he he shoots Valeria with a snake wait okay and, you're skipping uh, over way too much Okay. There's, it's a it's a two and a half hour long. <laughs> First movie. of all, they they find out that the uh, cult are cannibals, and then okay, then yes. they have to sneak in while like camouflaged like thundercats that, that yes. the cult is like having this crazy <laughs> orgy, and then mm-hmm. James Earl it's, Jones turns into a fucking snake. It's also like right. in terms of orgies, I feel like it's the laziest orgy I've ever seen. It mainly, We've seen a couple orgies recently. Yeah, I know with uh, eyes wide shut. Everyone's just kind of sleeping, and then some people are like caressing, <laughs> but most people are just sleeping. And yeah, I also, I don't like that. the color of that soup. I've had you know better soups at my orgies. It's, it's soiling green, you know. That's why. You it's, know, it's funny because the sequel was directed by Richard Fleischer, who directed Soylent Green. Boom! Nailed oh, it. nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, Valeria dies from the snake. Then that's sad for Arnie because he really liked her. He's really, really starting to take a shine to her. Yeah. So. But they have other Bummer. movies to have, and he needs to have more crazy sex, PG sex. So <laughs> He's yeah. like, well, I guess I'll join the orgy now. <laughs> no, <laughs> no choice left. So then he goes, and this is where like he goes to confront Tulsa Doom for the final time. And it's like the big night of the you know well, final no, first ceremony. he kills he's all like, his guys you're skipping over another amazing scene where he you're right like, has the, like it's almost a lot of this movie is like a western and this is almost like mm-hmm. the high noon moment where it's just him and his buddy and like all these bad guys are coming after him but he he kind right. of outwits them with all of his clever uh traps and, yeah. and his skills and he has that great monologue to to crom you like he's like Crom, like please let me survive this battle. Like I will, you know, uh, worship you to the to the end of the earth. And and then he's like, but but if you don't, then to hell with you. Yeah. <laughs> I really yeah. like that. That's, good. that's how I, I really pray like... too. <laughs> exactly. To hell with you, God. <laughs> and that's why I'm not allowed in any major religions anymore. <laughs> Still got the snake cult. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> They're very accepting. Yeah, that is a that is a great battle, especially because Valeria comes back from the dead just to like put sand into some guy's eyes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a sand. bit weird. Yeah, was... you only live once. <laughs> is that what she says? Yeah. Did she just say YOLO. <laughs> she did say you only live once after coming or... back from the dead and living again. <laughs> so she's just kind of proving what she's saying wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very weird. yeah. Okay, then they go and do the final thing with Tulsa Doom. And this is like the big moment because Tulsa Doom, I mean, James Earl Jones, he gets deep into his dad shit. And we know how that goes. Once he starts saying, I'm your dad, you're like, what? Dad? And next thing you know, you're losing your hand. Yeah, that, That's his go-to move when, <laughs> when threatened by a guy with a sword. <laughs> Are you sure you want to do that, son? What? Uh, <laughs> Simba. <laughs> he's just—he's such an iconic dad too. Like you just want to like just like whatever he says, man. My child, 
You have come to me, my son. For who now is your father if it is not me? Who gave you the will to live? I am the wellspring from which you flow. When I am gone, you will have never been. What will your world be without me? My son. But Arnold Schwarzenegger, he seems like maybe he's going to be swayed by this. Like, almost the same way his mom was swayed by his piercing eyes. But then, no, the steel is stronger than the flesh. And he hacks James Earl Jones's neck. It's just like, hack, hack. It's not a clean slice like no. the quick killing that his mom mercifully received. No, it's like, hack, hack, and then like, hack, hack again, and then saw a little, saw a little, <laughs> hack, hack. Yeah, it's like trying to get one of those, like, like a packet of headphones you got at Best Buy out of the container. <laughs> oh, right? Just, like jabbing at it with scissors. This is harder than it looks. <laughs> he cuts his hand trying to do it. Damn it. Why? I want yeah. to look cool in front of all of the snake cults. <laughs> Can they see me with this one little torch? I don't know. Hopefully not. But then all the snake people, they just throw their candles in the pond and go home. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Leaving Conan there to ponder Oh, his, see what his you did victory. There? Nice. I, I think I'd like to join a snake cult with a more competent leader. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then he burns down the temple. That's the end of the movie. They say that he has many more ventures, and the final image is Conan. This um, this kick ass image of Conan, like sitting on the throne, aged with this beard, just like. I don't know, man. That's like the coolest image in the movie. And uh, surrounded by fire. Yeah. 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 There's been been rumors or talk about like doing a King Conan show or something Mm -hmm. now with Arnold now. Wow. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I would watch that. Of course. I think. Why? why, Who wouldn't? Why haven't they done that yet? Well, they talked about like Milius talked about like doing it as a trilogy. And then Oliver Stone, who wrote the first draft and who is still credited as a co-writer, said that he envisioned it as like the first of 12 movies. He said he just wanted to be like oh James God. Bond, where like Conan just has an adventure every couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could Pierce see Brosnan that was the best Conan. <laughs> <laughs> that suave-ass Conan. It's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have more for you. I have some trivia right after this break. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We are talking about Conan the Barbarian. Mm. And I have some questions for you, foolish mortals. And if you don't answer them correctly, I will slay thee. (laughs) Metaphorically. (laughs) With my literal sword. Okay. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? Question the first. Which 1985 picture reunited Arnold Schwarzenegger and the woman who plays Valeria, Sandral Bergman? 1985. Oh. I don't know if the year's right, but they're both in Red Sonja. 
That's correct. Okay. Nice. And the year is right. Thank you. Yeah. No, no, I, I didn't mean that you were wrong. I just, I didn't know what year it was from. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I was thinking it was more 86, you know? Which, of course, that's another sort of character that was based off the writings of Robert E. Howard, who created the character of Conan, though also it was sort of more influenced by the comics. But it was supposed to be part of, as we talked about before the break, there was a sort of intended trilogy of Conan movies. And so Arnold was supposed to do a third Conan movie and was also supposed to appear as Conan in Red Sonja. But I think they rewrote it so he's not Conan. Yeah, he's not. He's he's plays like Lord Kaladin or something like that. It's because they had Arnold was contractually lined up to do it. They had him for another like Conan movie, but it was still Dino De Laurentiis. But Universal owned the rights to Conan, so they they had Arnold, but they couldn't legally call him Conan. So <laughs> they just had to be a Conan like character with a different name. And, and yeah, it was Red Sonja who was in like the comics, but in the Robert E. Howard stories, I don't think she was connected to the Conan verse at all. I think no, she was, I, she was like a modern character. Yeah, it seemed like. like that. Did you ever read any of the Robert Howard Conan stories? I, you know, I think I read no. one because I used to have this like anthology of like you know stories from those old pulp magazines. And I think I read one just out of curiosity, like a long time ago. But no, it's not the kind of thing that I ever was that into, which is, you know, I didn't talk about this before, like talking about when we first saw it. But like, it's funny that I gravitated to this movie or that I enjoy this movie so much because it's not really the genre that appeals to me or no. yeah and uh so i've never like i i have read some of like the the 70s marvel comics that that kind of really repopularized conan but i haven't really read much of the original stories and also like from what i understand they're like quite racist <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah there's also... definitely a racial element to them yeah. yeah like i mean even in this movie like maybe yeah. we'll talk about it more later but there are some like the way race is depicted as problematic but that's even more so in the books i mean he was also like friends with another pulp writer lovecraft and he had a really sad yeah. life he did yeah yeah he died really young he was only 30 years old which is younger than all of us yeah, and he like he just like wow. kind of lived at home with his mother who was sick, and then when she died, he just killed himself. And yeah, they had like a very interdependent relationship, and uh, yeah, and yeah, it's I a mean, tragic it's, story. Yeah, it's extra sad because he kind of like created this uh, kind of genre in a way, like this. Yeah, kind of like sword and sorcery, strongman genre be that became so popular like yeah it's, it's uh yeah it's tragic yeah and you know i think that there is like lots of good stuff in here even if uh, yeah i don't know if the stories are that good and it seems like much of the conan sort of mythology has been sort of written by other people or yeah you know has been added on to what he wrote but there's so much like good stuff in the in the mythology that uh it's sort of irresistible okay so question number two hmm. yeah okay <laughs> which cast member was the Hawaiian State Surfing Champion at age 14. Oh, I think I know this. Don't you just know everything? <laughs> it's his buddy. Is his name Jerry Lopez? Yeah, that's right. Jerry Lopez. Subatai. At 14? At 14. Wow. For his like age range? Or was it for, like the entire thing? 
for the entire thing. My God. Of Hawaii. That's the place where surfing happens. <laughs> That's insane. It, it is insane. I was watching the making of, and they were saying, like, you know, he was just a buddy of John Milius's. And when yeah. they were casting it, they're like, let's try to get a guy just like my friend Jerry Lopez. So they, like, auditioned all these people, and they got an actor who, like, wanted a huge amount of money, and they're having all this trouble. And then someone was like, well, why don't we just cast your friend? And he was like, oh, okay. So they, they just cast, like, a guy, yeah. a surfing buddy of the director's. And that's yeah, also John Milius was a big surfer. Yeah, apparently. this is actually maybe a good point to talk about. I wrote a thing a few years ago about how, like, this movie is kind of feels like autobiographical in a way because it is it does feel like a a movie about like surfers sort of <laughs> like like it's you know this is point break conan is spends a lot of time like working out on the beach and like hanging out and getting fit and then he's got this like buddy who's literally his real life surfing buddy and then on top of that i think to really understand conan you have to understand that john milius hates hippies <laughs> and like honestly like he like even like apocalypse now came from like a, an incendiary button he made to like fuck with hippies in the 60s and Jesus. he we should say he's one of the characters that uh walter sobchuk from uh, big lebowski's based right of. yeah exactly and he <laughs> uh really? okay I, I read an interview with him where he was talking about like how he kind of hated how like hippie culture began to intersect with surfer culture in the sixties because he was a surfer and it was very distinct from hippies and, and he didn't like them encroaching on that space. So, and, and so I also think like, yeah, with the, the way the snake cult is and the way it's like, you know, a, uh, the King's daughter, it's like a parent is worried about like their kids going astray in this culture. It all feels very like hippie ish. And also the, this movie coming out when it did in the early eighties is coming off of like this weird phase in the seventies of like where the hippie movement kind of like took a dark turn in like the uh, late sixties and seventies. Like there was obviously like the Manson murders. And then this movie was only four years after like the Jonestown massacre. Mm. So I think, I think fundamentally like there is a, a, a core of this, of this movie that's about like, <laughs> like, like wanting to uh, beat up hippies, yeah, <laughs> I think, and that's uh, interesting. That's what it reminded me is that is that it's sur- his surfer pal and him go go on a mission where they just uh, <laughs> punch and maim hippies is basically what this movie is about. Well, it's yeah. interesting. Like when Arnold brought this up as like a you know an emblem of democracy, like John Milius literally said that General Douglas MacArthur after World War II, should have, like, crossed the Mississippi like Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon and just taken over. Oh, Jesus. Right? Oh, okay. Like, that's, 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 like, literally fascism. And, like, a lot of people have called Conan, like, a fascist movie. And I don't know. I mean, like, I think that's definitely a thing to sort of interrogate. I mean, there are some, like, good points to this thing. And I was actually thinking that, like, in a way, this movie also parallels Arnold Schwarzenegger's life, like specifically the way that he talks about it in that video. Like he comes from a country that has lost a war. He gains fame through the use of his body. Mm-hmm. He goes on adventures. He becomes a leader, like at the end of this movie. And now he's like this sort of like, in a weird way, like wizened old man, mm-hmm. wizened old man. <laughs> He's an old dude. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that like steps of Arnold Schwarzenegger seem to step, follow some of the steps of Conan. And like Arnold has also like made his own life. He came from a a foreign land. He had to like become himself. He had to like build himself into the person that he wanted to be physically by like lifting weights and stuff. And then he like became a political figure. And I don't. It's a. It's interesting, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, the fascism thing. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of interesting. Like one thing I thought about, especially with like Subatai, is that like Arnold's gang, his party, they're not like the Proud Boys or anything like that. They are like a diverse group. There is a white guy who seems to be in charge, but he doesn't even really seem to be in charge, you know? Yeah. They seem to have, like, a good sort of relationship. They talk things through. He eventually goes off on his own, but, like, that I found, like, really progressive. And also, like, like we talked about, like, the sort of central love interest is a companion. It's not, like, a damsel, like you said. And she's not sexualized really i mean there are sexual scenes but i'd say arguably conan arnold is much more sexualized in this movie like his body is on display constantly and in the scene the first scene where he infiltrates the sex cult the sex state cult the way he does that is by using his sort of sexual wiles he like uh, he finds one of the cult leaders who is uh into him and like lures him, lures him away with sort of the suggestion that they'll have sex, and then beats him up and steals his outfit. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, so it, it is kind of funny to think, like, he, yeah, the, the, you know, I, I remember when Casino Royale came out, like people were talking about, like, you know, the way. Daniel Craig's body was filmed in that movie was like so progressive for a James Bond movie because they the kind of camera lingered on on his torso as opposed to like the female characters. But look at Conan; the Conan is all that. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah I don't know like there it, it's a little more complex and it borders on being progressive in that sense. But then there are also some pretty appalling scenes. <laughs> Yeah, there are definitely some appalling scenes, yeah. I mean, and also I think the choice of James Earl Jones as the protagonist, or not the protagonist, the antagonist, is also another progressive move. Because, I mean, it almost seems like, it's it's almost unexpected when he takes off his helmet. Like, you see, like, two guys who look like they're from Spinal Tap, a bunch of other white <laughs> dudes, dudes, and then this guy takes off his helmet, who you presume is going to be the head white dude, and it's James Earl Jones, you know? I mean, and it also makes you, like, think, like, it's a really interesting choice because it makes you think, like, what's his story? What's, like, how did he get there, you know? Why is he leading these people, you know? Well, on the flip side, like, I mean, the concern is also that there's, like, one black actor and he's playing, like, the evil villain. Yes. Uh, the And, you know, I was, but he's also such a terrific actor and he's so amazing and perfect for this part. Like, it's, you know, it's hard to criticize, but I was listening to Milius talk about it and he was saying the reason why he casts, or part of the reason why he casts him, obviously, he's an amazing actor, but he had this idea that casting a black actor and giving him, like, blue eyes and that straight hair, he wanted it to seem like he was part of this, like, race that no longer existed and had kind of like a this kind of like wise race that had seen a lot of things and now had been like overtaken by this like white race or these other races and was kind of like you know fighting against them or something so i don't know it, it oh. kind of, yeah it kind of got to a point where it's like oh 
So it's about a literal race war. <laughs> that makes, I think that makes me more uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that like, a whole race is eradicated when Conan kills him is also not great. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was what was in the back of his mind, I guess, mm. in terms of some of the casting. But, I mean, well, he's, just so, he's just so great in this movie. I, he's, he's so good. And, and the writing is so good for me. I mean, that scene where he's like, we're going to show them like, why they're afraid of the dark. It's like, oh, yeah. it just gives you chills. Yeah. Okay, so I have uh, some more questions. Which actor appears in the sequel, Conan the Destroyer, even though his character was killed in Conan the Barbarian? Is that guy on the on the horse? You know the one. <laughs> Which one? Which one, Blaine? He has, like, has like, kind of like long, curly brown hair, and he's like the right-hand man of, of James Earl Jones. Like, I've just seen him in so many movies from that era. It's one of them. You're, sort of, you're, on, the right, you're on the right track. Yeah. It's Sven Ol Thorsen. He's the one who is in 13 of Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies. That's, yeah, okay. Oh, wow. That's the one. Yeah, that's the guy. I recognize him from so many different movies, and I was like, oh, he's in this one, too. And he sticks out because like, I feel like he doesn't have long hair in any other movie. So No, yeah. no. I think this is the only time where they actually like focus on his face for any length of time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he plays a different character in the second one. I thought that was... Uh... That was weird, but I guess Arnold just needed his buddies to come along. Give Sven a pot. Do it. Can you guys name three other characters <laughs> by Robert Howard who have been made into movies, who they've made movies of? Red Sonia. Okay, that's one. That's all I know. We already oh, man, I don't know. Are we counting Conan again in the remake? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no? Okay. No, I don't know. All right. So the second one is called the Conqueror. Uh, you guys remember that? Oh yeah, that was yeah, that was him, eh? I thought that was yeah. just a knockoff of Conan the Barbarian. Apparently, a lot of the stuff from Conan is taken from Call the Conqueror. Oh, mm. yeah. And there's also a film of Solomon Kane, who is another of Robert E. Howard's um, characters, who's like um like a Puritan. It's a, it's an interesting yeah. character. I almost want to see the movie. Okay, that's what I have for trivia. JM, you did really well. Thank you. Blaine, you... Thank you. Thank you. Just What's lower my your head, and I will bring the sword down as quickly as I can. <laughs> no, you're you're going to be sent it. You're going to be sent to the Wheel of Pain <laughs> for all of eternity. <laughs> wheel of Pain! <laughs> I hope I get ripped and come back. <laughs> then you guys will be sorry. But only on one side. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff that I had. I mean, this movie was made for $20 million. It did make $80 million in theaters domestically, so it was a huge success. They were originally producing it in the late 70s, and they wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to star. They got Oliver Stone to write the script. Of course, Oliver Stone has done lots of things that we're familiar with, The Doors, most obviously. But his he decided to set it in the post-apocalypse, like a sort of Mad Max thing, I guess. Like, it was going to be after society had collapsed. Okay. But then John I kind of like Millius, that idea. Yeah. I mean, that's also like, that's something like people theorize now about Game of Thrones, that that it was uh, that that fantasy world takes place in like a post-apocalypse. Oh yeah, hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, it could go either way. I, I like that know. idea, I, though. Yeah, I can't imagine Oliver Stone's version being uh, 
that great. But I uh, think it sounds kind of awesome. I mean, I am not a huge Oliver Stone fan, but like, I, I kind of want to read it. I, I know it's like floating around online, but like, yeah, yeah it's set in this post apocalypse. It's just sounds like kind of crazy. It like sounds like you just went for it. There's like scenes with like mutants armies fighting each other and stuff and like you know hellfire and just all of this insanity and like even when uh milius was talking about it, he was saying he wasn't saying like you know they wanted to rewrite it or something I, I think they had to rewrite it to make it more practical but he said like milius said the reason why he agreed to direct it was because of the oliver stone script i mean even though mm. it got changed around so much he said it really inspired him to to want to make the movie Hmm. Well, I guess I mean the thing. I just love the everything from this movie so much. I would hate to see like the like landscapes or anything sort of be changed. There's so much great stuff about him just like sort of riding his horse through the through the steps. And like I also love the way that they sort of situated this in history, like sort of in the pre-Roman times. I think it's really interesting. Like you know, it was a place where there weren't, like, recognizable nation states. And so it's a place where, like, yeah, there's, like, a diverse people coming from all over, you know? So I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, the post-apocalyptic thing could be really interesting. But I think also, like, this has such a great sense of place that it would be be a shame to, like, let that go. Because there there aren't too many movies that just, like, just sort of let you take in, like, the sort of, like, lush beauty of, uh, of something like you're, like, on an adventure, like you're riding a horse, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rob, yeah. do you did you do any reading about those sets? Because they're pretty expansive, like the outdoor sets of those villages and stuff. Were those like in villages that existed in and around where they were filming, or were the no, sets completely made? I don't know. I yeah. should have looked it up if I was curious. <laughs> yeah. I just thought well, if I you know, came across I it, it, in your it was research. a real village, and they destroyed it and burned it. <laughs> and those real villagers were killed. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, and John Milius became their king. <laughs> <laughs> now everyone fucks camels. Thanks, John Milius. <laughs> that was a llama. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. I mean, he does seem like, kind of, I mean, yeah, he is kind of a nut. But like, I and he was saying, th- everyone speaks like glowingly of him, but they were saying, you know, things like, you know, like Arnold injured himself and was bleeding. And they're like, no, no, keep going. It looks great. And he's like, no, but I'm hurt. And he said, Arnold, the pain is temporary, but the movie is forever. And, you know, things like that. And God. Uh, you know he's Wouldn't just slide uh, a day. he's a character he's uh, yeah. i i'm fast i'm kind of fascinated by john millis you know i watched that documentary about him a few years ago did you guys see mm-hmm. that no no i i wanted to watch a bit of it but i could only find the trailer online but uh yeah everybody everybody talks about him glowingly like spielberg like he, like he came up with spielberg and george lucas and scorsese and all of those people yeah he was like their weird buddy <laughs> <laughs> we should do Red Dawn on the podcast because oh, yeah. that yeah. that is you know the culmination of uh, of or you know the the meeting of his artistry and his uh, right wing paranoia kind of meets right. in that movie because yeah like it's it's you know it's funny like the movies that he writes I think I think he's a good filmmaker but like you know I. Like I said, I don't think I agree with him politically, and I I wouldn't see eye to eye with him on a lot of things. But like, you know, something like Apocalypse Now, which is one of my favorite movies, I think you take the language and the story of what he created, and then you filter it through, you know, like Coppola's kind of sensitivity, uh, for lack of a better word. Like, you know, you get the movie that you do. Like, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. There's just something, yeah, something about his writing I just think is really kind of magical. Yeah, I never watched yeah. Rome. Did you guys watch that? No, no. 
Yeah, that was his thing. That was yeah. He was in Dire Straits for a long time, and uh, Rome. Yeah, Mark Knopfler back on the right brought him, brought him <laughs> on board and played keyboard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he was yeah he was in Dire Straits, and uh, in that documentary they talk about he was like you know in like uh, the '90s or whatever or the early 2000s he was like broke, you know, didn't have any writing jobs, and uh, he asked David Milch mm-hmm. for a job writing on Deadwood. Hmm. And David Milch said, look, you're John Milius. Like, I can't put you in my writer's room with, like, <laughs> these, like, fucking 30-year-olds and, like, these guys. Like, you're, like, a legend. And Milius said, like, look, I, I really need the money because, like, I, I can't afford to pay for my kid's college. And I, I just really want the job. And David Milch said, look, I'll pay for your kid's college and then we'll find something else. So he apparently paid for his kid's college, if I'm remembering this right. And then like helped set up like the meeting at HBO to pitch what became Rome, which was his show. Wow. Uh, Yeah. It's kind of crazy. That's a great story. And I do want to watch that show now. Me too. Me too. Didn't it almost bankrupt HBO that show? Oh, well fuck that show then. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't know. (laughs) All the best shows. uh, Yeah. Almost bankrupt HBO. Uh, Carnival. That was. Oh my uh, god! I'm watching Carnival right now. Oh, are so you? Good. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about it after the podcast. <laughs> okay, well, let's wrap it up then. <laughs> so, what what did you guys think about Conan the Barbarian this time around, Blaine? Let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, there's obvious problems, and we've touched on many of them, and even some of the progressive stuff that you guys were talking about. I was like, ah, there's a flip side to that where it's not so progressive. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> like, even within the things that you're talking about are, that are progressive. So, I don't know. Wait, what I, do you mean, specifically? I don't know. I just found, like, I mean, the James Earl Jones thing we touched on, but he's just so good. And then, I, like, the the kind of, I don't know. It was just that uh, that scene where... You mean he, the crazy wizard character? The wizard character was a bit much. It just It just felt like kind of every character, like, there was a whole bunch of different representations of people differences and, and people that were unique uh but they were all there to kind of serve this built white dude and his area girlfriend and they're like <laughs> i don't know it just kind of it just kind of felt that way a little bit but beyond that i really yeah i just i just kind of got sucked into the world and i really liked it made me want to watch more sword and sorcery stuff because i haven't I haven't watched a lot of it. Like Willow is kind of the only movie that I've watched in that in that genre. Um, oh wow! And so it makes me want to watch. I don't even think that counts. <laughs> it makes me want to watch a whole bunch of those movies, and so I think I will because I think all of them are on Amazon Prime. I think they just bought up that whole genre um, in Canada, anyway. So I look forward to doing that. And this was on Netflix, but it's leaving Netflix Canada uh, the day after this podcast goes up. So watch it tonight. <laughs> the uh, the D- I got got the Blu-ray not that long ago, and it was ten bucks for both movies. So whoa! If nice. if it's still that much, uh, you know, it's worth getting because it looked looked really good. Yeah, yeah, and I was surprised at the, like the quality of it. I kind of thought it was just going to be kind of a B movie that. Arnold's first movie and I don't know when you see this action stars first movies you're like oh that was so bad like how did it become these mega stars but this one is actually pretty good uh he he started he's really good you know he got a lot of shit for this movie even at the time and I don't know there's I think he's good I think he's a good actor like I mean I think he's good his accent is still like 
a, a bit of an obstacle in in, yeah, in this but movie they like just his made language. Everyone he's, talk like but, him, and then it was fine. Like everyone, yeah, was he's just playing like, a Germanic tribesman. Yeah. Come on, yeah, but also on top of that, like you know, he's just got like his his uh, his look, his uh, his reactions, his you know his presence. It's you know you can tell he's a movie star. Yeah. Yeah, he has charisma. He you can see him on screen. Totally. It's yeah, it's it's great. He's great and a lot of the other actors were really fantastic too and and the story's crazy. Uh, the fact that he like hacks a snake to bits is no problem for him. Uh all these things that kind of start that superhero-esque way of like the macho protagonist that just takes off in the 80s after this. Um are all present here and it's kind of fun to watch and yeah i want to see more stories of conan maybe i'll watch conan the destroyer is the next one yeah we didn't talk that much about it but like that's maybe we'll do it later it's not so good because uh john milius wasn't available or didn't want to do it i don't know the reasons but yeah they brought this guy richard fleischer who kind of like was wrapping up his career no, okay. you know, had directed a lot of great stuff uh, over the years. He, you know, he did Soylent Green, he did Fantastic Voyage, but then, uh, yeah, <laughs> so Conan the Destroyer. It was like I think it was because of ET or something. The studio was like, <laughs> "Well, Conan could be the next ET, and, and we'll make it a family thing." So it was Conan written, phone home. Yeah, <laughs> so it was PG, and you know, then that paved way for like the cartoon series and. And later there was a live-action TV series. Did you watch that, Rob? No. Yeah, I didn't no. either. I think it was, like, because of... Maybe because of Xena and stuff, they brought Conan back. Right. That would make sense. Anyway. Maybe I did watch it. I uh, I quite enjoyed it. And I... Yeah, I'll probably rewatch it again before I'm dead. Before the long goodbye. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. Before you're Jesus. called before Crom. <laughs> Before steel wins out over flesh. Uh, what about okay. you, JM? Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, I have always liked this movie. I still like this movie. I mean, yeah, I think when we say like, oh, it's progressive, it's because the bar is so low. Like we said, <laughs> yeah. it's based on the stories of like a <laughs> a racist who is friends with H.P. Lovecraft and like you know, the early part of the 20th century. And then it was adapted by like two right wing nutcases in the eighties. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, the bar is very low for that. But at the same time, I think, yeah, there are a lot of like, you know, a lot of, of problems, a lot of things that don't hold up for contemporary audiences in terms of like, yeah. In terms of like the sort of like Orientalist world of this movie mm-hmm. and like, yeah, like you said that they're all kind of like, paving the way for this like Aryan strongman. There's a lot of stuff that is uh, wrong, <laughs> but it's also like, I don't know. I, I can just appear, appreciate it as, as this kind of work of art by, by all of these people. And yeah, you just get kind of swept up in the adventure of it. It's, it feels very old fashioned. And I think I always rejected these kinds of, movies and these kinds of like strongman adventure movies because that seems so unlike me like as a you know as a kid like I didn't I wasn't like a tough guy nor did I want to be so it seemed like not the kind of thing I'd be into but now like you know hearing about like who Robert Howard was and stuff it's like oh right it was written by a little wimpy guy (laughs) because that's what he wanted to be yeah and like all the people who made it like it's this crazy exaggerated wish fulfillment 
thing. Uh, so it, you know, I, I still is not exactly my cup of tea, but I get it a bit more. You know, another thing Milius was saying, he was talking about reading about Robert Howard's writing process. And he said he like basically like hallucinated or believed that like the character of Conan was standing behind him as he wrote and would with an ax and would like kill him if he didn't finish the story. And he he was (laughs) like, I had to like write all night and finish it and then get some sleep because I knew when night came again, that Conan would be back and he'd force (laughs) him to write. And that was kind of like his creative process. (laughs) Jesus. Which is uh, kind of wow. amazing and bizarre, but yeah, I I don't know. Like I, yeah, it's funny. I I think I don't know if I care about Conan as a character as much as I I think this movie is uh, is kind of cool because I like the actors and I like the the way it's made. And there's something about these '80s fantasy movies too that like just because of like you know the real locations and the props and the effects like it has that sort of tangible feel you feel like you're being taken somewhere new as opposed to just you know plopped in into like a chasm of visual effects like you might get today uh so i don't know yeah like i i don't know that i care that much about the character would care about a remake or a reboot unless they do the the king conan show with arnold because i think that would be interesting to bring him back after all this time. But yeah, so I, I still think this movie is like this little nugget of, of something that I don't even know if I can fully defend or explain, but I, I like it and continue to like it. Uh, Rob. Yeah. I, I didn't think that I had uh, I didn't have high expectations going in. I, I was sort of prepared to rip it up, but I think that there is just a lot of really good filmmaking in there. I think that it does a lot of interesting things. I mean, it's a there are parts that aren't good. There it's really long. Some of the dialogue is like just really bad. Like sometimes you're like people think John Millius is a great writer with like some of these lines, but then some of them are like so good. You're like, "Yes, yes." <laughs> the lamentations of their women. <laughs> but yeah, I just I really love the uh like the friendship between Conan and Subatai. I thought that was just like so much fun and I yeah, I liked the I liked all of the characters, all the actors I thought did like a really great job. It was it felt like really different than than most of the movies that were sort of sold today. Like it really took its time. It was like willing to like, you know, just be and not necessarily like say something all the time or not always have like dialogue or necessarily even like plot sometimes it was just like willing to like let in all the visual splendor and that was great and then there was a dumb action movie on it too and that was great so yeah i thought this was a totally rewatchable movie i'm gonna rewatch it at some point uh for sure especially just for james earl jones who's just like amazing and just it's so good that he gets the chance to like, you know, play the fun villain and he's not just the voice, you know? We get to see him. We get to see his like glorious face and his like his pretty eyes, his pretty pretty eyes. <laughs> and uh it's it's so good. Yeah. I think yeah, Conan's great. Don't know about the sword of Conan as a symbol of democracy. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really talk about that. Like, yeah, are there politics of Conan? I don't know. Well, this is this is one thing that is interesting. At least one person has said that 
in the sort of Trump age, it's it does seem like a sort of anti-Trump story. Like mm. Trump is the person who is like the snake cult guy. Mm. He's you know convinced all of these people through lies and deception, through snake manipulation, yeah. yeah, to you know sacrifice themselves for him. And Conan is the refugee or the immigrant who is you know fighting the system or whatever I, there's an essay out there i can't remember. yeah i mean that's the thing like conan defeats the bad guy but he doesn't come as a conqueror and he doesn't come with like an ideology like he no is just coming to kind of like free everybody and then he rides away into the sunset like it's it's, it's only it's the a post-script total... that says he becomes king yeah exactly mm-hmm. like for another you know reason that we'll see later like it's yeah it's about toppling this yeah like fascist cult guy not about like instilling Becoming this new snake leader or the new cult leader yeah exactly like and and it yeah it, it feels like a western like it feels like he's this uh wandering or like a samurai movie you know uh well it was also very influenced by seven samurai of course mm. yeah and yeah. there is i can't remember which one it was but like there was a specific samurai movie that inspired the resurrection scene where they wrote all the uh Right. all the the sort of writing on Conan's body mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i yeah i so i can yeah i can kind of see that the at least like yeah not a symbol of democracy but as like an anti oppression story maybe yeah and like the central argument of this movie is like whether or not like words or violence are a more effective thing and like that can also, I mean, there is that debate in progressive circles, like if a fascist is in control, like, do you have to, do you, I mean, you have to resort to violence, right? So in that sort of situation, like, maybe, maybe Conan is right, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I don't know. I, the other thing about the violence is it's all like motivated. Like another thing is keep going back to Milius. Like he said that uh, he finds movies that are violent that make human life seem disposable. He finds really repugnant. Mm-hmm. So like there's graphic violence in the movie, but it's all like to a purpose and it doesn't, it doesn't gloss over like the horror or, you know, the effects of violence. Uh, yeah, it feels very purposeful. Except for that camel. <laughs> that yeah. camel did nothing to deserve it. <laughs> and, you know, I was thinking, and that vulture was just trying to live. <laughs> I was thinking, That's how it's lived its life. When, when Trump was like first elected, I remember Schwarzenegger started like tweeting out you know, videos against him or whatever. I do remember like in that like early anxiety of like the Trump presidency feeling a certain amount of comfort that Arnold Schwarzenegger, who even like, I don't agree with politically who I, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm sure I have a lot of differences with, but there was like this fundamental comfort that he was like against Trump because I had grown up watching so many movies where Arnold Schwarzenegger like battled a sleazy corporate executive type guy and then right. you know came out on top at the end so it has well, it has been a, a, a sort of like nostalgic comfort having schwarzenegger be publicly uh decrying trumpism well and i think politically like i mean he's in a really important position like he is the elder statesman of the republican party there are a lot of republicans who respect him yeah i'm not a republican i don't believe the same things that arnold schwarzenegger believes but 
you know, I want him to have more of a say in the Republican Party. I want people who have, like, moderate views, who, you know, respect democracy, who know, like, to stand up to people like fucking Ted Cruz and, like, Mitch McConnell and people like that who are saying, like, you know, who are, like, perpetuating lies. So many of those people haven't stood up against, like, the obscene things that were happening. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is a Republican, was one of the few Republicans to, like, Mm-hmm. say something and he's saying like yeah we've got to like put ourselves back on the right track and it's important for someone like him to be saying that yeah right now. but i also think it's important to say like you know the snake cult isn't to <laughs> borrow the allegory or the comparison the snake cult isn't trump the snake cult is the republican party so i mean it's not enough for schwarzenegger to just say like you know uh, well there needs to be a trump snake cult it just needs to be a moderate snake cult, okay? <laughs> Maybe we can stop with the jumping to our deaths and, uh, okay. you know, but the costumes are cool. I think we can agree that the Republicans are the snake cult and the Democrats are the slightly less offensive snake cult. <laughs> yes. They're, they're both snake cults, but one is, is less objectionable than the other snake cult, right? Can we agree on exactly. that? Exactly. I think sure. I think that's a perfect sure. analogy, and I also think that's a great place to leave it for today. Thank you for listening to Rewatchability. We can find us on any of your podcast listening apps. And if you go to Apple Podcasts and rate us and review us, that's very helpful. It helps more people find the podcast. Or if you don't want to do that, you can tell a friend, tell somebody who is looking for a podcast, who has a, a, a job where they do a lot of time not listening to things. They need a podcast. Tell them about Rewatchability. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Rewatchability, Facebook at Rewatchability. Go to Patreon.com if you want to become a patron and get those early podcasts and bonus episodes. Go to TeePublic if you'd like to buy a Rewatchability t-shirt. And anything else, guys? Is that it? No? Join our snake cult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot to plug our snake cult. Yeah. It's, it's a moderate snake cult. It's pretty good. Tuesdays are soup night. Ooh. <laughs>